Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean, and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike e-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan, joined this week by Fergus Craig and Dave Watson. Hello, you two. Hello. The game was good, wasn't it? Yes, let's go straight in there. <laughs> we won a game. We won a game against Man U. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, but really unexpected. Did you... Did you predict a draw? I believe I predicted a win in a rare, a rare outing of optimism last week. But I think the caveat there is this is a terrible Man U team. Yeah. No, no, it's really. I think I think it was Shearer who said it's the worst Premier, uh, the worst Man U side he's ever seen, and I, I can't think of a worse one. I mean, even like Jemba Jemba. And that lot, they had some decent players around them, but that it is, it is so obviously the worst Man United team yes. there's been in the. It's the worst Bournemouth team that there's been in the Premier League. They are so bad; they're easily the worst team that we played this season. Wow! On that performance, easily they were, they were. I'm not saying like all in all that I'm not saying they're the worst squad that we played this season or anything like that, but on performance, they were the worst team we played this season. Yeah, they were definitely the worst opposition we faced. Because, I mean, with the others, you thought that um, 
we like certainly against like Watford and Brighton, I think our poor performance uh, maybe made them look a little bit better. But you could you could see the, the you know they still had a style of play and, and what have you. But man, you like they just look bereft of ideas. It honest to God, I've never seen a I've never seen a Man U side like that. But also just like any of the top six, that's the worst performance I've seen from a from a presumptive going to finish at the top end of the table that's it's just that's remarkable and they've got i don't the, think they're going to be top six this season but no. are they are they the richest club in the world yeah i think they are the richest club in the world i think and i think on some by some measures they're the richest sports club in the world mm-hmm. and they and it's not that they're like just holding the money they have spent an unbelievable amount of money this Since is what I don't understand. That team we played, how much money has gone into making a team that shit? Well, I mean, that, that squad, didn't they say something like 900 million quid over the course <laughs> of the last blah, blah, blah? I mean, they were spending, what, half a million quid a week on on uh, Sanchez and somebody else, I can't remember who, but it's just a phenomenal amount of money, and they've just been throwing much, like huge lump sum after huge lump sum after every new manager they brought in since Ferguson and I mean I, I work near Manchester and there's a lot of Man U fans a lot of Man City fans and the Man U fans they're just they're as angry with Woodward and the Glazers as we are at, at Bruce and Ashley well they're right, planning their own protest that isn't a protest of walking marching from the pub to the ground before that the next game. Yeah. Which just means changing the stride that you walk in. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's I mean, hot. They had that thing a few years ago, didn't they, where they all uh they wore the those scarves that the were golden the green color. ones. Yeah, of, of the original what is it, Newton Heath, Heath. what was it? Yeah, the original club. They wore their colours. They feel like they were, yeah, they were more active years ago. But yeah, I mean, we can go on about um, United all day, but that was hilarious. It, Fred for fifty million quid, oh. and he we was... just we just pulled a nineteen-year-old out of our ass. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is not something I recommend. That we do often. <laughs> Uh, don't knock it till you tried it. So much better than Fred. Oh yeah. I mean, he must already be worth. If Fred is worth fifty million, then Matty Longstaff must already be worth two hundred million pounds. Well, I think let's move on to our team because we we said before the Man U game we'd probably have to make changes and go back to the old system. We did make changes. I don't think any of us saw Matty Longstaff starting. Then Willems no. came back in as well. And the two of them combined for a, a peach of a goal. Yeah, Should we cover well, the goal first and then talk about Matty Longstaff in general? Because yeah. it, was, it was beautiful. So I've got to, I've got to because it's, it's becoming a bit of my, um, my, my, the hill that I want to die on. Uh, Almiron actually set up that, uh, that counter. Did he, Dave? Yes, he did. Because he, he, he took the ball... Uh, about 10-15 yards f- forward, out like from from their attack, 
played a beautiful ball through to St Maximum, who who did brilliantly, took on a couple of plays and deserves a lot of credit for that. Laid a good ball off to Willems, who deserves a lot of credit for keeping composure and pulling the ball back. And what a strike to get your debut goal at at, at St James's Park at the Gallagher end. I mean, that is that is real jumpers for goalposts kind of dreaming in the park. No, it was. You're right. You're right. Almiron did uh, set things off. He did do very well there. And mm. uh, Matty Longstaff said in uh, the interviews afterwards that it was a hit and hope. It really did not look like a hit and hope. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> it looked very, very smooth. Very Skulls composed, esque. considering. Paul Scholes esque. Hmm. Oh, that's what I mean. Oh God, I mean. Talk about lumping someone with uh, with question, but that's Martin Keown afterwards in on match of the day two said that Carrick that they uh, the Longstaff brothers were Carrick and Skulls basically. Martin Keown, who for some reason was dressed as the milk tray man as well on match of the day two. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. He looked like a sort of shaved chimp dressed as a spy, which I thought was. Quite, quite a bold choice. I don't think I like this re-emergence of the turtleneck, especially on pundits. But yeah, I think Matty Longstaff, as far as debuts go, you couldn't have asked for much more. And it wasn't the goal wasn't even the best part of his game. I thought his passing was superb, and he was he was more composed in that game than I think Shelby has ever played for us in the Premier well, League. Um, at one point during. Um, uh, period of sustained pressure from Man well pressure, um, a period where they had the ball um, Matty Longstaff was shouting at, I think it was Kieran Clark and Willems to calm down and just take a breath and like, you know, calm it down calm it down, I was like, this is a 19 year old on his debut, now I'm not saying he's going to be able to replicate this in, in games to come, but he had that one against the, the crossbar in the first half, what a strike that was, yes. that, was that was a better strike Albeit off target, than than the um, than his eventual goal. I mean, what a strike that was! He he is he's a very there's a lot of promise there. And I think he's our youngest goal scorer for a long time, for like a, a, a you know decades. I can't remember if, uh, off the top of my head anybody who scored at a younger age. But him, him and Sean in the centre of the park looked. This <laughs> can sound stupid. Looked like they've been playing together all their lives. But I mean, like, they looked like they were um, a perfect marriage in the in the centre of the park in the Premier League. I was just, I was, yeah, I was really pleased for those two boys. Yeah, I think Sean Longstaff looked better than he has for a long time as well. I just think their games seem to complement each other perfectly. Definitely. Sean's able to stay back a bit more, play the kind of wider, more expansive balls, and Matty just ran around but seems to have a bit more going forward. I feel like if he plays a lot, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we've not had a midfielder that can contribute with goals for a long time. It feels like he will score. So the the other thing is is the a big part of the, the conversation, in, in certainly with my mates and Newcastle fans, is or do we try and accommodate John Joe Shelby because of his phenomenal passing ability? Well, in Matty Longstaff and Sean Longstaff, they're not at his level, but they're certainly good distributors of the ball. They were pinging 30, 40, 50-yard balls around, and, you know, to feet, under pressure, finding the run, finding the man, 
I don't think Shelby's going to get back in the side. No. I would say yeah. Hayden's ahead of him as well. There's another player oh, who... Yeah, there's another player who scored an amazing goal versus Man U on his debut, debut yeah. for Newcastle. Yeah. From should the academy. It, should we say at the same time, Dave? Yeah. One, two, three. David Edgar. David Edgar. Correct. Now, if Matty Lunkertstaff can have half the career that <laughs> David... <laughs> Yeah. No, it is very exciting and very tempting to think, right, well, that's our central midfield sorted. We have two amazing central midfielders who can play well together. But, you know, he is 19 and for his development, it's probably best that we don't, that he doesn't play every game yeah. from now on. Yeah. I, I think against the sides who are a bit more physical, like, uh, like Burnley is the, the best example. Then in those kind of games, you don't need to play Matty Longstaff as part of a midfield two. You could probably play um, like Hayden and, and Sean Longstaff, or play Hayden, um, Sean, and Matty Longstaff as a midfield three. So you're kind of taking a bit of the responsibility away from from Matty Longstaff to get involved in any of the physical work. And also, like you say, he's 19, so he doesn't have to play every you know 90 minutes every game. He could make more appearances off the bench because he certainly offers an abundance of energy and that's not something that tired legs fancy facing at the end of a game. I think what his performance does as well is just changes Isaac Hayden. Like his mm-hmm. red card last week, you could tell that came out of frustration. Part of that might be just as he knows there's no competition for him in the squad. Suddenly he's going to have to train twice as hard as before just to get a look in. So it's just bringing competition into places. It feels like we've Maximin's done the same as well. That Atsu's looked better for having that competition. I think we might see a better Paul Dummett coming out of Kieran Clark playing. I think actually all the calls Steve Bruce made, <laughs> to be fair, all looked good. What's so funny about Kieran Clark? No, it's just like you've gone through. So he's made a few changes to the side, and I, I would argue that some of them were forced, like. They all worked, though. Absolutely, but there were some of them forced. But you're taking a very positive spin on it. That because Kieran Clark has featured in one game, Paul Dummett's going to raise his game. When Paul Dummett's game was fine as it was, you know, it could be okay, better. Okay, that's maybe the worst example. But Kieran Clark always comes in and does well for us. And Atsu getting better, I think, is a moot point because I think St Maximum's got to start because he. He was our most dangerous, yes, creative player. Absolutely was that little run at the in the opening um, oh. minute or two. Yeah, that was exciting. I think Almiron should start because of his. Because you're in love with him. I am in love with him. The freaky little turtle faced weirdo. Um, I think he, he's getting chances every game and with a bit more confidence, when we're getting on the ball a bit more, when we're a bit more solid, when we're playing a bit better, I think he's going to get the the first goal that will get him on a... I mean, he's not going to go on a run of like loads of goals, but he'll just get that first goal out of the way, a bit of confidence, and he'll be playing better football. And the same's true with Joe Linton. So I think those three are going to be the three that play going forward. So Atsu getting better and Domit getting better because of Clark. I, I think you're... you're 
you're putting a lot on this one game. No, but I think in general it shows we've got squad depth that we've maybe not had for a while. I think is why whenever, like especially at centre-back, we've probably got five, possibly six top players playing for three positions. I think Jumbert had got it's... complacent. We've got, yeah, maybe we've got six Premier League central defenders here. Um, if you look at the, like, Fernandez can't even get a look in, and he's not really let us down when he's come in. But I think Almiron had one really good chance. You just thought, you have to take one of these soon for your own good. There's an amazing ball from Longstaff over the top, from Sean Longstaff. Yeah, yeah. There's that extra touch you took, wasn't it? it was, yeah. yeah, and that that just screams a lack of confidence because I I think his if he'd taken it with his first shot, uh, with his first touch, I think he was scared of, you know, just ballooning it. So I think he took that extra touch to get a bit of control, and that extra touch just it allowed the, the keeper to come out. And yeah, we just he's at, that, he's at that stage that you find when players aren't confident where. They're like you say, they're scared of ballooning it. So it, it's sort of like, well, I'll just steady myself, and if I can get it on target, then I can't be blamed. Yeah, you know, at least yeah. get it on target. It looks like he trusts his instincts less and less. He sort of, I think you, Fergus, made a good comparison of John Dahl Thomason. I yeah. worry, I worry he could on go the, the same way. Yeah, yeah. I, what I was suggesting was I could see him. Being one of those players who goes on to be amazing for someone else. Yeah. Hopefully, but, yeah. he'll get a goal and it'll all come good. Well, but this sort of thing. How many weeks can we keep having where we just go? He needs a goal. I think he. I think he does add quite a bit to the side, and I don't think that. Yeah, I think Atu, Atu's played all right in the in the, the games that he's played. So I don't think it would be a massive problem for the team if, if Atu were to take over. But I think we will be a better side when Almiron's playing with a bit more confidence and a bit more self-assurance. These are the kind of players who massively benefit from a, a cop run. Because if, if we were able to you know, field Almiron against, I don't fucking know, Lincoln City or someone, um, stick a few past them and, you know... We, it's not easy to beat Lincoln City, Dave. I <laughs> saw this weekend. True enough. That was they came straight off the back of losing six in a row to beat Sunderland, which was, as someone from Lincoln, kind of ticked a lot of boxes on a weekend <laughs> when we beat Man U. <laughs> oh. um, no, we all, I think everyone, when the team sheet was announced, I think everyone in the, uh, the Geordie Nation... Uh, I think everyone got a little bit excited, you know, it was, it was all a bit, ooh, this one, I think we were all a little bit excited about the Longstaffs playing together, that was the big thing, mm-hmm. but two, going back to, to five in defence seemed like a wise move, and it was, and we all knew that Man United could be really shit, so I think there was just a little bit of... Uh, excitement that oh hang on this looks like it could go quite well and yeah. then and, and then it did I mean it could have easily gone the other way and and we'd have all been continuing on our um, anti Bruce 
rants. And of course, everything we said, I mean, it is ridiculous how we, you and me, Paul, particularly, are going straight from abject negativity <laughs> to positivity and optimism. But I mean, everything that we said last week remains true. Yes. But it was uh, a, a good team selection and good execution. So, you know, it doesn't yeah, change. It suddenly make Steve Bruce a great manager or make the last 10 years mean that we're a well-run club with things to look forward to. But it, it does mean that, like, there are positive things there that were revealed and allowed to bloom on Sunday. And yes. uh, maybe, yeah, you know, you know, maybe we've got a chance of staying up. Although I, I did also start this by saying that they're easily the worst side that we played this season. Yeah. Possibly. I think we, our players were like far more comfortable set up like that than in any of the the weird formations Bruce has tried recently. But I think we also looked a bit more attacking. We weren't just sort of all men behind the ball and then counter-attack. We seemed better with the ball. St. Maximin especially. You just it just his weird runs just allows everyone to get back up the pitch. And the other one who I think has changed the way we play quite a lot is Willems. <coughs> is who sorry? Oh, Willems. 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 Yeah. He's already got a goal and a few assists, which might he's probably quite close to Yedlin in terms of total goal and assist <laughs> already. Totally, well, actually, yeah. That's something I wanted to mention. Actually having two wing backs, because it was Yedlin's uh, best game. Was it his first game back? First game, yeah, this season, yeah. I think. Or first game back. I think that was, it was vitally important to have uh, energy on the wings to play that formation. Because for all, Dominic's played okay at centre back, you know, the, one of the th- three centre backs. Oh, and he's played okay as a left back. Willems is. is Better going forward, got a good engine and all the rest of it. I think, I think having those two wing backs means that Almiron can shift a little bit further, a bit narrower, so he's less isolated out on the on the wing, which in turn means that Joe Linton's less isolated, and also means St. Maximum can drive toward, like drive through players again, more narrow, closer to, to Joe Linton. So it just it makes absolute sense for for Bruce to to revert to Benitez's style and you know look it's his side and if he wants to make little tweaks here and there change things to 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 suit to better suit his preferred managerial style that's fuck it it's his job he can do what he likes but if you've got the blueprints for a successful side don't fuck around with it too much certainly not in the first few games just just keep it keep it on the same tack keep it on the same on the same footing and then make your changes throughout the season here and there. And you reap the rewards for it rather than wholesale changes, chopping and changing formation five times. Just, just just little tweaks here and there. And you'll see the, you'll see the benefit. Yeah. The frustrating thing about the start of this season is we've, we've looked to tinker the side and find out what formation works best on the pitch rather than in training. Yeah. Whereas it, it should definitely be the other way round. It's frustrating we didn't set up against Leicester in the same way because I think we wouldn't have got beaten five nil. But I think 
lesser of a far, far better team than this Man U team. Well, I, I say, and had we set up like this against Watford and against Brighton, I think we would have at least got a point from those. Oh, like I know we got a point against Watford, but you know what I mean. I think we would have put in a performance against those sides because yeah, it it, it shifts the. Like you're saying, for all we were more defensive, we've got five defenders on the pitch, we've got two energetic midfielders who are harassing and pestering and stuff. We had more attacks and better quality attacks when we're playing this, you know, supposedly more defensive style. We did still get, um, I mean, it was weird when I saw the stats because it didn't feel like it when we were watching, but we did still get uh, uh, only 30%. Possession, but it was good possession. It was like we did get, uh, like you say, we did get more effective attacks, we, at mm. least as many as Matthew. We looked like the better side. But the, the goal that, I mean, you say this, we could have done better against Brighton, and uh, I can't remember who the other one was, but, you know, maybe you're right. But the goal, the, the one goal that we actually scored was still Matty Longstaff from outside the box. The closest we came to another goal was Matty Lungstaff against the bar with a screamer. We're, we are very, very, very far from clinical. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think that's why we need to... The, the more touches uh, in and around the box that Joe Linton can have and the more touches uh, St. Maximum and Almiron and Willems and all the rest of them, they will get more chances in the box if we stick to roughly this style. I know that we're currently, you know, the only goal was scored by um, Matty Longstaff from outside the box, like you say, but Almiron had a, a couple of times where like, he burst into the box and um, cut it back and it didn't work out. And then obviously the, the time when he's put through by Sean Longstaff, we are... I, I, there are the, 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 the seeds that could grow of better performances in and around the, the opposition box. And I think I think that's testament to the good work that Benitez did and the way that Bruce has applied it with players who perhaps one player who was bad. one player who was in the box for the goal, I don't know if you saw was St Maximin, who wasn't yeah. just in the box, he was in the goal behind the keeper. See, which, even though he's not in line, I think you could argue he's interfering with play. Well, no, that was a smart thing to do. He's, he's, yeah. uh, he's yeah. off the pitch. It, it, it was, it was, it was smart. I think getting get the keepers here. I think if you're off the pitch and not in the goal, that's probably less interfering. I'm not saying he was interfering with play, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's something you don't see often in the game. I like, I like how unpredictable Saint Maximin is in everything. Oh yeah, and he's. He's really active on social media. Yeah, actually, not terrible at it. Like, say, for example, you know, Sean Longstaff is at the minute. You know, just he's funny, and he's you know bites back at people. It's fun. It's good. I like him. I feel like Sean Longstaff needs to be put on the bench for a while until he can improve his social media. (laughs) I I think if he could just, I don't know, just work on it a bit more. Uh, maybe maybe try social media in the cup games, you know, something like that. But I think with Matty Longstaff's social media game coming in, that's only going to put more pressure on Sean to up his game. I think we're going to see some good tweets from him coming up. Well, Saint Maximin, uh, the fact that he's so active on social media and 
you know, likes to be cheeky and all that. I, 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 I'm sure that there's no way that will ever end badly. No, no, absolutely. I mean, because on Twitter, all you get is considered reasonable responses to after losses. So if Sam Maximum misses a penalty in the 80th minute to, to mean that we lose at home to, I don't know, Sheffield United, I'm sure the Newcastle fans will absolutely have his back. They won't, they won't have a go at him. No, but what they will have a go at is the amazing product coming up in these adverts. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. That was weird. That was- you, had a nice la- you had a nice little laugh at your own joke there, didn't you, Paul? Yeah, I did. I'm not going to lie. It was a great joke. Yeah, I liked it. Well done. You. Thanks, guys. I tell you what, it was collectively the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> it was a weird uh, weekend for for results, really. You know, with like um, with us beating Man U and Brighton smashing Tottenham about, uh, but the big ones obviously Wolverhampton winning at, at Man City. It's just it, does it does it feel to you like I don't know this season? More teams are beating more teams, like because of the way that Man U and Spurs season's going, and the yes. way that like Norwich and Sheffield are, are performing, like perhaps above expectations. I know that the um, I know that Norwich got hammered by Aston Villa on the weekend, but do you reckon that that's going to mean that there's going to be I don't know a higher points total required to stay up because everybody's taking points off each other? It's possible, but I think if we look at last season, I remember I especially was saying like this could be the lowest points total ever needed. Could by this stage of the season last year, I think it was about five points would have been enough to keep you safe. Whereas now it's pretty much point a game. So yeah. I don't, I don't think you can judge it solely on the beginnings. You look at Norwich already; it looks like for all their results, they are they've quite quickly reverted to the mean and look like whipping boys. Makes our defeat at Carra Road look worse when Villa go there and absolutely hammer them. Yeah. I could see, I, I suddenly, I mean, I was uh, I was thinking that Norwich would do really well this season and then it occurred to me this weekend that uh, maybe they're like Fulham last year where they had yeah. that nice little start and everyone put Mitrovic in their fantasy team and everyone's done that with <laughs> Spooky now, and um, but now uh, it ain't gonna necessarily end so well for them. But yeah, I could see certainly. Yeah, Man City have had a couple of losses, but you know they're not going to lose very much. But certainly, with teams like Man U, Arsenal, Spurs, all being beatable, Everton, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, Everton, yeah, yeah, basically the the top. Six, you know, from three to six, or you know, whatever. There's a lot of teams that are more fragile than they would ordinarily be. So yeah, maybe the teams around us will be picking up more points. Yeah, yeah, it feels very congested. We're only one win off being sort of comfortably in the top half. I think we're only a a point or two off Man U. We're we're yeah, we're only one point below Man U. Although we do have a minus eight goal difference, which is um, 
it's only Norwich and Watford who's got a worse goal difference than us, and that's because we've conceded 13 goals already, which is worrying, and we've only scored five. I think we've is goal difference goals. really that big a deal? When's the last time a team went down on goal difference? Uh, I don't remember when the last time a team went down because of goal difference, but goal difference can be the difference between two or three places. I mean, when we finished 10th, under Benitez, the only reason we didn't finish, I think, 12th was because of goal difference. And also, goal difference just, it's, it can as much be a psychological thing, because if your goal difference is healthy, you're not getting spanked all the time. If, if you're only losing by a goal here or a goal there, you keep the games tight, you can, you know, you can, you can make, I don't know, make a narrative that you're not as bad as your position suggests, and etc, etc. Et but if you're getting hammered every, every other weekend, can you you just kind of expect to get a hammering, don't you? We could easily go down on goal difference. It's not the yeah, most likely. I think it's, it's something happen. gets talked about a lot more than how much of a risk it actually is, I would say. How do you mean? Well, I don't think goal difference actually ends up relegating teams particularly often or being that crucial a thing for league position. Like Sometimes it does, but I think it's it's talked about a lot more as being a problem. or It's given undue prominence, I guess. I suppose, like, yeah, I, I don't remember in the last three or four or five years any, any team going down because of goal difference, but there are plenty of teams who managed to get themselves out of the relegation conversation entirely because of goal difference. Because they're like, I don't know, seven points and five goals better off than the teams in the in the, the lower reaches of the Premier League. Those five points are ninety percent of that the, the difference maker there. But those extra those, that that goal difference does mean that even if the teams do pick up those extra points, unlikely as that may be, they're still not gonna overtake that team because their goal difference is so shit. So it is worth effectively an extra point. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should I'm move on from goal difference because it is yeah, yeah. it's too exciting a topic. Yes, I know. I'm reminded of something that Danny Baker says whenever people get too sort of like analytical on football, is that football is chaos. And I think I think he's often right. Sometimes yeah. it's just you don't no one knows what's gonna happen. It's well, it's all on margins as well. If Harry Maguire scores that sitter that he had, we'd probably go on yeah. to lose. And then yes. Steve Bruce shouldn't have thrown a teenager in and this team can't even play in the same shape they were before and he's got to go. That yeah. was an unbelievable sitter that Harry Maguire missed. Yeah, yeah it was the one, one part of the game where I think Shaw lost him for that, for that chance. And it was very, very nearly a goal up. But as that aside, I thought Shaw had another really good game. That yes. that block he made on Rashford was was phenomenal. I mean, it, Rashford got criticised on match of the day for not um, taking the near post run, but Shaw did a brilliant job, like an absolutely brilliant defensive job on him. I I, I think I said it to you. I think I said it on Twitter earlier that Shaw, St. Maximum. And the two long staffs that make me fall in love with Newcastle all over again. And it hurts. Yes, this is what I wanted to move on to. Because it wasn't just you. 
I don't know if you watched the studio for Super Sunday after the game. It seemed to have made the entire panel fall in love with football again. Even Graham Souness. Really? <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. They, it felt like they were going to cry. Souness was quite emotional after the the interview with the Longstaff brothers. Oh, it was sort of God, like that, that's what it's all about. That's what the game's all about. Oh. <laughs> it was when like. Uh, I think I don't know if you saw it at the end, but everybody had run over to give Matty Longstaff a hug at the final whistle, and you know, congratulations, well done, or whatever. And then the the camera stayed on him, and he moved away from that crowd. And him and his brother had a big like, and screamed in each other's faces in a massive hug. And I was just like, oh my boys, I just couldn't help it. It was just fucking brilliant. What you don't realise is they were screaming, "I hate you." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it um, is great. There's something like having two brothers in the same team is quite something, but having them in the centre of midfield together, I think, just for some reason feels even better. It makes Gary and Phil Neville look cheap. Oh, do you remember when we had um Gary and Stephen Caldwell? Oh yes. Did they ever play together though? Uh Perhaps in a cup, but not in not in the league. Uh, obviously, you know, Shoulder and Sammy play together. Yes, um, but only only a, a few times with that substitute yeah. appearances and stuff. Not wanting yeah. to get ahead of myself, but Sean and Matty Longstaff are almost definitely going to be our central midfield for the next decade. And England. And England. Yeah, without. Um, like, you're right, not, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but... <laughs> the crucial part there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> but no, I think, I think they... I, I, I don't think the gap between Sean and Matty is as great as the gap between Shola and Sammy in terms of no. quality. So I could see them featuring more often playing together, and that's... I mean, that's romantic, isn't it? It's lovely. I think as well, the gap between them and quality Premier League football and Sammy and quality Premier League football isn't as big either. How fucking dare you? I, I stand all, by it. In all, of football, in all of football, has there ever been brothers who have regularly played as a pair? You know, like two strikers... So they weren't as a pair. They weren't. weren't One was in midfield and one was in defence. I'm talking about this, where they're together. Has there ever been that? Because like Colo and Yaya, they're different positions. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Never two strikers. Stephen Taylor and Ryan Taylor both played in defence together. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, they're not brothers. We did. I'm sh- have I imagined this, or was there a third Longstaff at the club recently who isn't related to them? Uh, I swear we've recently released a youth player, but it's called something like Fernando Longstaff. <laughs> At first, I thought it was a third brother, and the parents had been on holiday to Spain. I know is, he the to- is he the top? The Tommy Abiobi of the uh, the Longstaffs? He's not related, though. It's the thing. I don't remember. Um, I mean, I have to give that the the same caveat I give everything on the pod, is it may have been a dream. Right, sure. 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 Do you want to move on to Twitter? 
Yes. Uh, generally, or the Natter account? Okay, yeah, we asked if we've got any thoughts about the game at the weekend. One Up Gaming says the kit's still nice. Plus, I don't think we have the players to play attacking football, so just keeping it nil nil and long ball up and hope is all we can do. Is that what we did against Man U, though? No. No. Uh, it's wrong to say that we play long ball football, really. Like, um, that's, I mean, we'll often try and find Phil Linton. But to be honest, now that we've got Almiron and St. Maximum, we do try to carry the ball up rather yeah. than launching it for them to run into space onto. We give it to them and they carry it. And I think that's that's the difference between us and, say, Burnley. I thought when Carroll came on, we looked a bit more like a long ball team. Where oh, but, yeah. The way we are with Shelby sometimes, where it, it just upsets the balance, where it's let's get it to him and let him do everything. We felt a little bit reliant on that, but not massively even then. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think also when you bring on Andy Carroll, it would be foolhardy for you not to put balls into the box for him to smash his head into. I think spray it behind the back line to the corner flag and <laughs> let him sprint onto it. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Twitter and stuff, and I know it's not relevant to us, but uh, Sunderland have just sacked their manager hours before a game. Interesting. Have they? Yeah. Get in there. Trending. Um, I heard their takeovers on the rocks as well. Well, it's another one that's been rumbling on, so yeah, I'd, I'd put it in the same pop- pocket as ours. But getting back to our shit. Uh, Chris eighty four Lukey asks, "Where does Matty Longstaff rank in the best Newcastle debuts ever?" Well, Des Hamilton obviously has got to be up there. Ob- obviously, yeah. <laughs> Ian Rush is in the conversation. I mean, Fabrice Pancrat must yeah. be up there. Must I be. can't remember a better debut. Um, Maybe Sissoko against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, Didn't John Joe Shelby have a pretty amazing debut for us? Was that against West Ham? Yeah, but no, it wasn't. It was anyway. It wasn't close to this. He didn't like score a brilliant goal. I think the story around his debut as well adds so much more. Like nineteen-year-old Newcastle fan from the youth team whose brother's already in the team gets his first start against Man U. Scores the winning goal and gets man of the match. Yeah, I mean, I'd be Royal short of stuff. things taking a sexual turn for him on the pitch. <laughs> can't get much better. Uh, pretty spectacular. Got, <laughs> yeah, just, the Euro Millions draw is announced at full time, and he's won that as well. <laughs> I just looked it up to see if my memory was right, and it is. Um, Duncan Ferguson scored twice on his debut for us. Ah. Who was that against? It was against Wimbledon. I mean, that takes a bit of the edge off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But yeah, that's something. But no, I can't remember certainly as uh, exciting a debut. Asprilia had a pretty amazing debut, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the Keith Curlman City game where he, he basically assaulted him, but it was all fine. Uh, didn't Robert yeah, have a good yeah. debut as well? I think, was it against Middlesbrough? 
I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, Matty Longstaff's pretty much the best debut. I can't think of a better one. I mean, considering that's his senior debut, I guess for anything yeah. outside being on loan, it's hard to think of many better than that for many teams. Yeah. No, you're right. It was really, really impressive. And even if he hadn't even capped it off with the with the winning the winning goal, um, he ran the show. He really yeah. did. Him, him and Sean in the centre of the park, absolutely, absolutely dominated. McTominay, who's apparently, you know, big next thing, and he's a bit of a prick, isn't he? <laughs> Just yeah. while we're on the subject, yeah. it's nice yeah. having. Man U not just being completely pathetic, but still having someone you can hate. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see how Matty and Sean together do against a midfield that doesn't contain Fred. I think that will be more of a test. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other questions? There are a few more. We have Craig Gillies asks, are gingers the future? It's a big question. Well, to put, with global warming, I would say... Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, don't say that. My little one's ginger. <gasps> I mean, well, you're, the future I'm is actually ginger. The future's orange. Yeah. I think um, the, future, the future of Newcastle United, we're all heaping a lot of pressure on Matty, uh, Matty Longstaff. Let's continue to do that. <laughs> yeah. There was one, there's one photo of him in the the aftermath of the celebration where he's kissing his badge and he, mm. he looks really weird. <laughs> yeah. It looks really haunting. So I, I described him as like a, the ghost of a Victorian child. Yeah. I think the two brothers together probably didn't have to do a lot for trick or treating. Matty particularly. Yeah. And I have to say this cause I'm almost certain he doesn't listen to this. But, um, yeah, well, he's just, a, I think it's only Will Hughes stopping him from being the palest man in football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think. Poor lad. Well, I think, I don't think it's going to ruin his week, to be honest, Dave. Kieran Emerson. I think Sorry. it's fair to say he's going to get a lot more action than he otherwise would have got yeah. had he not been a footballer. It's like that Peter Crouch quote of what would you have been yeah. if you weren't a footballer? His answer was a virgin. Yeah. yeah. Kieran Emerson asks, how funny is it that the Mackhams lost to my second side, Lincoln City? Kieran, it's very funny. <laughs> Do we I'd agree? Like, I, I don't know enough about the third division of English football because uh, Newcastle have never played in it so I, I rarely take that much of an interest <laughs> but um, are Lincoln like mainstays in that division? No oh, newly promoted newly promoted and what was the score? Do you know? I think it was 2-0 but I'm not sure so it wasn't even like a scrappy 0-0 that you know Lincoln managed to turn into a 1-0 in the 90th minute. It was, a, it was a comfortable win for Lincoln City. I mean, to go on a tangent about the story of Lincoln, I don't know if you know, they were managed by the Cowley brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who were pretty decent managers, got Lincoln promoted and 
they started this season really well, so we're kind of top of League One for a bit. Then the Cowleys left for Huddersfield, who have started to turn it around a bit in the Championship, and Lincoln went into free fall, and oh. luckily managed to get Sunderland at just the right time to bounce back. It was 2-0. It was uh, two goals from Tyler Walker, who also missed a penalty, so he could have had a hat-trick. Oh, oh what a prick. What a prick. And <laughs> Twelfth Man Toon asks, what's a collection of long staffs called? Uh, long staves? A gingerium? Uh, a knight of the long staffs? Um, Sean isn't ginger, is he? Sean's not ginger. No, Sean's not ginger uh, at all. A haunting? <laughs> a haunting. <laughs> a gloaming? <laughs> Gloaming. I think there's uh, whatever it is. Let's hope there's more, Mister and Missus Longstaff. I think just you're probably over the age to bear children, but try, just try for the club. Oh, there was the the camera probably in the mid thirties. <laughs> <laughs> if they are, then they have had tough paper rounds seeing them on the Sky Sports cameras. Well, that's it. The, the camera panned up to them. Um, I can't remember who, I think it was after the game. And the the mum's Im- immediately identifiable as the mum, because it's the only mum there. But then there were two blokes, like, hugging each other in celebration, and one of them looked quite a bit like Mike Ashley. Yeah, that wasn't the dad, I think. No, I, yeah. Thank God it wasn't the, but it was also just, it was just a fat man who <laughs> who looked a little bit Mike, like Mike Ashley, but... I was a bit panicked there that oh no they're not they're not friends with Mike Ashley are they? That'd be fucking awful. It would ruin it. I would have thrown my my happiness in the bin if if they were friends with Mike Ashley. Thing to remember, Dave, is thanks to Mike Ashley's neglect of the club and not signing the midfielders we've needed, they've got their <laughs> chance in the team. So I think if anyone should be celebrating Mike Ashley, it probably is the Longstaff family. <laughs> Well, I think yeah, that's a better case point. than anyone to be pleased with him. Because Sean Longstaff played because of an injury crisis. That's yeah. why, that's how he got his debut last season, was because we were fucked with injuries. And then, obviously, Matty's getting his chance now because we're fucked with suspensions. This is, yeah, actually, fair point. Because yeah. of his parsimonious approach, we're on... on, on um, oh, God, I'm so tired. <laughs> So, right, Dave, we should do another hour. No, that is usually how um, how youngsters get their starts, though, isn't it? Usually, it's yes. some injury crisis or whatever. Well, yeah. Any more old socials? That's all the Twitter questions. I think there's no game coming up next week. It's the international break. Do you yeah, think so we'll get to see the Longstaffs again in central midfield for England? Well, I was thinking, do you think Sean Longstaff, because let's not get too carried away, but Sean Longstaff, do you think could be in line for an England call-up this season? Uh, this season, maybe. Depends on how the rest of his season goes. But um, I think certainly in, in the future, he's yeah, definitely in with a shout. But maybe Sean hasn't really done anything yet this season, has he? So, no, but yeah, maybe true, I guess maybe Last if uh, if he goes on a, a you know a period of of great form, 
then yeah, maybe come springtime there'll be talk about him for the uh, the Euros, but that's a long way off, isn't it? Yeah, and then when we come back yeah. from the international break, we're away at Chelsea. I think we'll be which coming is, straight back to earth. <laughs> which is interesting because, like as Fergus said, this is how all the young kids get their chance. Well, you look at Chelsea. Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, um, the centre half whose name escapes me—none of them were even at, would would even have been at the club had that transfer ban of Chelsea's not stood. And now yeah. they're playing these kids, and I think I think it was something like seventy-five percent of Chelsea's goals this season have come from players who came through their academy. Abraham looks to be fair to. To be fair to Lampard, he keeps Lampard keeps on saying that Abraham would be starting. Anyway, he keeps on saying Abraham's keeping a World Cup winner out of the side, which is true. Yeah, yeah. you can also see why Rafa wanted to get Abraham on loan a couple of seasons ago. He does yeah. look pretty decent. I, I'm just, I think that, I mean, there's a whole mess of things going on at Chelsea, but essentially, had the transfer ban not stood, um, I don't necessarily think that they would have had Lampard. I think they would have had a, a, a higher... Uh, a manager of you know established renown. I think they would have added more expensive players, and so wouldn't have put their faith in the youth. So I'm just yeah. I, I was just backing up your point, Fergus, that because of well, all the yeah on. yeah. Well, I'd like to see us. I know it's a long way off now, but I'd like to see us at Chelsea uh, play the same formation, and yeah. we'll have a lot uh, a much bigger test in terms of. Uh, uh, Attacking players to um, to defend, but um, I'd like to see us go for the same sort of thing. Yeah, I'd also like to see Chelsea's transfer ban lifted just between now and then, with the exception they could only sign Fred. I think that would <laughs> that would give us a real shot in the arm before the game. Yeah, but it's going to be quite um, um, Chelsea because of the amount of young English players now. I feel quite conflicted because they're quite fun to watch yeah, like, I've, like, always hated, I've always hated Chelsea but this is the closest I've got to um, yielding on that hate yeah I, nobody knows what's what anymore it's frightening times I think that's probably everything isn't it yeah so I don't think we'll be back till after the Chelsea game sorry Dave are you going to give a prediction for the Chelsea game 9-1, either way. Excellent. I've no idea. It feels too far off to predict. I think Chelsea will beat us. Yeah, I think... 2-0. Yeah. I'll say 2-1 to Chelsea. Yeah, I'll say 2-0 uh, two, two Chelsea. <laughs> but hopefully, yeah, hopefully we keep it to no more than two goals that we lose by. Yeah. Uh, we've been quite a yo-yo team this season, so I think the performance will be as interesting as the result, really. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I think that's everything. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Fergus Craig. Thank you. Bye. And thank you to you, the Natter listeners. Goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.